Hey, thanks for listening to Extra Textual. This is Eli. I just wanted to jump in before the episode started to make a quick note about the quality of the audio on this episode. Uh, we just want to apologize. We had some technical difficulties while recording this one. Um, so the first half, you'll hear uh, kind of a lower degraded quality of sound. And then for the second half, we're back to normal. So thanks for hanging with us on this one. We think it's a fun conversation that we still want to put out there. You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. I'm Eli Steenlidge. And with me is Jeremy Holiday, and uh, on this episode, we're gonna have a little discussion about um, Netflix and their strategy lately about yeah. sort of the release of things, and they've yeah. had massive amounts of releases um, yeah. coming this year, and I think sort of last year too, yeah. but this year even bigger. Um, and then we're gonna go into some things that we've been watching. Some recently. things we've been watching. Yeah, it's like Netflix and chill. That's right. About Netflix. Kind of. Do you know what that means? Is it, is it, is it, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it actually what it means or is it like hanging, making out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's, That's a gonna, different thing. We're yeah. not going <laughs> to. Um, so Netflix. Yeah, the kids. Just that, Netflix. Right? Yeah. No chat. So if, if it really means like making out and stuff, yeah. it's just not actually like Netflix. Netflix in the background. Oh. Excuse to make out. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally old. Yeah. It's okay. Netflix strategy lately. So there's been these different things in the news, and I kind of wanted to address what's been going on because we do end up talking a lot about streaming media on yeah. here because we're we are dads and our lives are changing a little bit. Does a dad have to do it? We don't sure. have a lot of time to go to the theater and sure. watch things, so yeah. we we kind of catch on, up on them later. Yeah. Like that. Is what I'm addressing. But they've been releasing some good stuff, interesting things. We're going to talk about Jessica Jones in a little while, which is maybe one of our it's favorite good. shows, superhero shows at least. Favorite oh, yeah. superhero shows, yeah. yeah. Um, for, I think for both of us. And But they've also had some clunkers lately, uh, and some, some big-time ones. And I think one of the most uh, publicized was Cloverfield Paradox, which they had, it's sort of like up and down with them a little bit. So we had at the Super Bowl commercial that said, you can watch this movie right after the Super Bowl. Just go to Netflix right now and you can watch the movie. And people didn't know it was coming out that quickly or anything about it. So they were like, here's the trailer, go watch it. Uh, Which was a cool sort of promotional idea, I think, um, that instant gratification. But it quickly turned from, whoa, this is a crazy marketing tool, to this movie kind of sucks. We can see why they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't put it in theaters and yeah. dumped it on Netflix. I think eventually the news kind of came out that the studio knew they were going to lose money on this film um, if they released it in theaters, so yeah. why spend the money on marketing, um, which is usually millions of dollars, uh, to yeah. try to make something off of it and then eventually lose money. So eventually they, which is maybe kind of genius on their end, that talked to Netflix, um, who kind of got these exclusive rights. And I don't know who was behind the marketing of that, but they sure got a lot of people watching it without any sort of critical 
analysis either of yeah. um, that it was released to watch before the critics even had a chance yeah. to watch it and say anything about it. I did end up watching that one. I don't. I mean, didn't watch everything that we're going to sort of mention. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, for, for me, I mean, like, uh, some of the marketing strategy uh, is, I think, or at least what, I mean, what it seems to me like is this term which I learned the other day called asset flipping, mm. which is something I encountered um, reading reviews for, like, games for my mobile phone. Yeah. Um, and there was criticism, like, in the world of asset flipping, it's nice to see this. <laughs> and, you know, and so, like, I think more about, like, a classic asset flip in the world of... Uh, like mobile games would be like mm-hmm. say there's a game that like used to be 99 cents or something yeah. like that yeah. you know people played it maybe got you know several 10, 20, 30,000 you mm-hmm. know people in doing it something so uh, after like the sales peter off mm-hmm. you know, some other company might buy it yeah make it free yeah and just plug in ads all over the place right. so it was like oh my gosh this 99 cent moot the game yeah. which yeah, was like great. astronomically expensive right who would pay mm-hmm. for anything yeah um, becomes free Mm-hmm. And, and becomes a dreadedly, you know, I mean, it's not a freemium yeah. game because it's not like a pay-to-play, right. but it's like it just becomes a space in which somebody else makes money by making mm-hmm. you view ads before you go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened with a game which I love dearly, a game called Slayin', which is this classic, <laughs> simple run-around 8-bit jump thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, when first got it for my iPhone, it was 99 cents. A, a wonderful game. I mean, yeah. like, uh, pr- totally unique. Mm-hmm. When I recently got my Android phone, oh, it was, it was free on the it's Android store. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. And then, like, there are, like, ads at the end of every level, and there's, like, all claims of, like, <laughs> to watch them, asset yeah. flipping in there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that there's this, I mean, it's sort of, like, it's on a slightly different scale. Yeah. Um, but it's, like, you uh, you have something, mm-hmm. and it's it's not worth much to you. Right. Um, but somebody else can use it to, um, because it's, it's valuable for them. Right. I think for, in a slightly I mean, different way, yeah. Yeah, and, like, Netflix, I think, I mean, one of the way Netflix survives, essentially, or, I mean, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's no, I, I, survive yeah, yeah. is a bad word. Yeah. Um, one, one of the reasons why they are so successful at what they do in a lot of different areas with a lot of different people and a lot of different markets, I think, mm-hmm. is the same reason why the old classic strategy of, like, oh, like, your first year of AT&T's, you know, twenty nine ninety nine, <laughs> Right. And then it's seventy nine ninety nine after that. Yeah. And you just can't be bothered to cancel it again. Right, You're right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just 20 it's just, Oh, yeah, a month went by, yeah. Right, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. And so I think, I mean, because I think Netflix, I, I imagine their data would bear out. That, mm-hmm. like, once someone joins Netflix, they never they leave stick with Netflix. It. Yeah. So, you know, like, if whatever they can do to get people to, to sign up for it for the first time, mm-hmm. even if it's a free trial, right. um, I think that's, that means real that like everything that they have make money from and sell to other people mm-hmm. it generates a whole lot of that right so it may not be worth anything mm-hmm. you know to the it may be worth it may it may be like an like a uh, financial liability to the company that produced it right but netflix can turn it into more people on netflix which is mm-hmm. what their money is right yeah i mean uh that is sort of a built-in franchise, that example of the Cloverfield. Yeah. So for yeah. those of who liked the other two films, the only way they can watch the third one is on Netflix. Right. Um, so Exclusive. You have, even though I would assume most people interested in that already have Netflix. But it keeps them around. Um, yeah. Gives them one other reason to, to pull up. And I think uh, another example of that same sort of situation I mentioned on our previous Annihilation episode, but uh, how that film... The studio ended up deciding to make money um, internationally outside of the U.S. for the film by releasing it on Netflix and not in theaters. Um, 
and they were able to kind of recoup the cost of uh, production on that. And I think maybe that might answer your question of, will there be other <laughs> films to this? Probably not based off of the box office. Um, yeah. At least that that filmmaker might make maybe some cheaper versions of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't it, my son the other day asked me, like, well, what's VHS? He's like, <laughs> he somehow encountered the phrase, like, straight to VHS. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, he, he, he knows about tapes. Right. Like, explain to him about it. Right, but, yeah. you know, but explaining the phrase, like, straight to VHS, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, like, uh, you know, some movies go, go straight to Netflix. Yeah. Um, but, it, <laughs> but it's interesting because uh, it, it isn't just that. It's not like mm. Netflix is some sort of video discounter. Right. Um, but yeah. it's clear that they, I mean, they have some amazing independent content mm-hmm. and like you said lately have had some pretty mediocre content at yeah. least in, like I mean we haven't talked yet about Bright right. which I haven't watched um, mm-hmm. but pretty much everyone's like yeah, it's got a cool picture and that is about it yeah I mean I, I did not finish it I was curious <laughs> cool. um, but it was it, it was hard to understand what they were thinking when they made this film um, it's pretty bad uh I mean, the production values and things are there. Um, the filmmaker is pretty well known. Will Smith is in it, uh, so it's it felt like one of those films where the pieces did not. Well, it, I mean, and who knows? I, I would be happy. I would be interested to see if it's like um, one of those things, like uh, filling out some kind of genre. Like if you're yeah. into like post-apocalyptic, sure. you know, like cyberpunk movies with ogres in it. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's it, four options now. It feels like uh, the filmmaker has made a lot of um, like gritty cop movies, like on the streets, and it feels like a combination of that with like fantasy, yeah, like uh, fairies and like you said, like um, dwarves and things like that are in it. Others. So, which is, I'm not sure. From written on paper sounds good either, but you know I, it well, does I mean, feel it, almost like the you know Netflix gets this reputation of like. Well, like you're saying, like, oh, this film is done well, and this film, lots of people are like, let's combine yeah. those things into, yeah. you know, um, before the Kevin Spacey thing happened, I think that's how House of Cards basically came about. They were like, yeah. people watch lots of Kevin Spacey movies, and they like political, you know, um, sort of dark films, and let's make those into one kind. Yeah. Uh, and this one, well, I mean, critically, I don't think it paid off or as a good film, but... Um, they've claimed that it's one of their largest films and certainly one of their biggest budget Netflix produced films Uh, and and I think maybe it does just fill that role of like we need a high profile sort of action movie um, with some supernatural things thrown in there like you want that we got that you know yeah Um, and I think the other thing that's going on is uh, they've announced something crazy in the billions level that they're spending on media in 2018. Hmm. Um, and, like, I think over 100 um, what they call original films, some of those may be acquired from other yeah. regions and stuff, but uh, they just seem to be, like, flooding their service with as much TV shows and films as they can that they kind of call self-produced. And it almost feels like they're not really doing that much different than a traditional studio. They're just trying to do it in this condensed amount of time. Like, 
let's say like a classic studio like 20th Century Fox or something like that, um, or even Disney or something like that, they have this whole history of film that they can call on and say like, yeah, you want like a romantic comedy, you want an action movie, you want kids movies, whatever you want. Kids like dogs. we've got a good film somewhere in our history yeah. in there that you can watch some classics and stuff that we can call up. And Netflix seems to be like, well, let's just throw it all out there as quickly as we can, and, like, some of it's going to hit, and we're going to have, like, a well-rounded collection of things to offer people um, so that we can compete. And so I, you know, I don't know totally... And they're losing lots of their um, deals with other companies yeah. over the next few years, like Disney is one of them, so yeah. I think they are having to say, like, well, if we hurry up and get some content there now, um, we will have things for people to kind of hang on to um, when the sort of other outside content leaves. Yeah. I mean, I, I often wondered um, whether the idea of uh, Netflix as a studio was mm-hmm. going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it, in some sense, and I don't know if others would tell the story too, but uh, when they start mm-hmm. making their own stuff, yeah, they then are competing with content creators mm-hmm. um, for viewership yeah um and it changes it, it like netflix is then no longer neutral yeah it's not a neutral platform that shows media mm-hmm. it also produces media right and i think it's one of those things like a, you go to a grocery store and like there's the store brand mm-hmm. um i mean like i i don't i mean in a sense the store uh has a lot of control Mm-hmm. It's like you want to sell like craft, you want to sell mac and cheese, you got to sell it at a store, and and every store has their store brand. Yeah. Um, but you can you can watch Moana a lot of places, you know, <laughs> right. a, a, on a lot of services on right. your computer. Yeah. Um, so they can easily just go down to the next store. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I it doesn't make a lot of sense what you say. Like I um. Uh, with the idea, I mean, and a lot of with the idea that in the future Netflix is going to have a lot less of other people's stuff to show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it, they are sort of staking out a place for themselves that's more independent. Yeah. Um, that's uh, certainly like building up their collection of anime and like mm-hmm. we loved Castlevania. I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they now, uh, when I first started watching uh, Full Metal Alchemist, which I love, mm-hmm. they had all of the original Full Metal Alchemist but only part of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood which is like sort of the better version better, or yeah. truer to the you know truer to the original comic books mm-hmm. now they have all of both of those yeah they also have the live action one which we talked about which is does not look in any way good <laughs> um especially because i mean I, I might watch it because i just love that story yeah but it, i i know this i watched i i watched like 10 minutes of it mm-hmm. and i was like i can't i mean first <laughs> of all was like like the 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 voice actors that did the characters mm-hmm. like i it has to be them Mm. And they have to yell. I mean, there's just like, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, exactly. I, mean, I love that story, like that story so much that I, mm-hmm. I, I you know, and with this, this crappy cosplay fan fiction doesn't work. Yeah, anyway. and I so, think I've mentioned Death Note before. Which, yeah, which the anime is also um, I really appreciated, and then the, the film that they actually produced um, was was sort of a pale reflection of that. Uh, not very good, and, and it kind of makes me wonder too. I think initially, when Netflix kind of started making original films, at least, they've been making TV shows for a while now, I think, and we get an obvious kind of mix, as any sort of studio does, or um, cable channel, traditionally. 
but with films that they have these sort of higher profile a little more like you said independent type um films and uh and so it seemed like they were saying like yeah we're getting these uh media producers who are and we're giving them like independent space to to do what they want to do like we're not gonna step in and say you have to do it this way like this is a great open space for um, creative people to work and now it seems like maybe that strategy is not always working um i think i had heard for a while about duncan jones film mute um which was supposed to be set in this sort of blade runner-esque world and i'm a fan of couple of his early films, Moon. So, and I had heard he'd been wanting to make this for over a decade, like his passion project. And it is horrible. It is really bad. You know, Eli, you rarely say that about things. I know, I know. I did not want to finish the film um, and felt like, I just got to see, like, maybe it gets better. Maybe there's some other meaning. And it was, it it was like one of those things watching it. It was just like, this this is worse than I I, it was getting bad, and then this is not getting worse. Yeah. So it, it feels like, and maybe Bright is another example of that, where it's prominent, somewhat prominent filmmakers and people like actors in it. Uh, maybe there's something to sometimes having like studio notes and things like that. And I don't think like uh, having producers and people from oh, the studios yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of stepping in and being like, maybe we should tweak this a little bit. And I think often we have the view of that as, like, they're making it more broad and mainstream, but maybe there's something to guiding some films sometimes. Um, and I don't, I'm just uh, speculating at this point, but maybe we're starting to see that this model of sort of letting creative people do just, like, whatever they want isn't always better yeah. uh, without some people also involved that kind of know what they're doing. True. Um, yeah, I mean, anyway, so I, yeah. I just want to, I want to take, I want to pause for a moment, uh, or just uh, interlude to, to um, plug my friend's film. Yeah. So uh, a good friend of mine from college, who I haven't talked to in a long time, um, but was a really good friend and sort of, I mean, one of my early, earliest sort of inspirations mm-hmm. as a young filmmaker. Okay. Um, a, 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 a young man named Ryan Billsborough Koo, who now goes by Ryan Koo, um, <laughs> uh, he probably like six years ago or so, or maybe even longer than that, um, kick, put together a Kickstarter to film, uh, to, to fund a film he was calling Manchild um, at the time about uh, like a young African-American kid who's sort of like a, a basketball phenomenon um, mm-hmm. as sort of investigating the world of um, uh, basketball recruitment and stuff. And, and my friend Ryan, like he's this uh, diminutive uh, but feisty um, half Asian, African American, or half Asian, half American <laughs> person, um, who loves basketball. He grew up yeah. in North Carolina, and like he, he loved playing basketball. But he, <laughs> he, he always had like a hurt shoulder or something. So he spent a lot of time watching and talking about basketball. But he couldn't actually play. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and and he put together uh, uh, at the time. I think it was like the single biggest uh, Kickstarter. I mean, this yeah. is back. I mean, you know, like a several thousand dollar I mean it was mm-hmm. a large amount of money it's, it's uh, since been surpassed by a lot of other things at the time it was sort of in the early days of it um, but he sort of kept hope alive he worked on the script for years he was part of the, uh, the Sundance script writers thing that they do and yeah. um, 
and I don't know the details, but towards the end of it, he and Netflix decided they were going to help produce the film. So like it's a, it's a Netflix has a production credit right. on it. I don't yeah. know all the funding that they provided for or what they did, right. but um, it's being released on April sixth. It's now called Amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, he changed it, um, probably a, a few years ago. Uh, okay, because. Uh, he felt like it captured more of what it was going for. Plus, it also like ranks higher up on if you just search for films on basketball. Mm. It's all done alphabetically, so it's higher to the oh. top. Which he's like, is it totally a real thing? Which yeah. I think was prescient at the time. Huh. Um, the trailer just came out two days ago. He released it to the uh, Kickstarter backers. That you can also find it on the internet. Mm. Um, it it looks fabulous. I mean, yeah. he's always made uh, very very good films from yeah, from the very beginning quality, of yeah. his uh, student films all the way up. Mm. Um, did I ever show you um, the West Side? Is that the West? Yeah, it's like, like the. I did see that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, he only it's made a great cinematography. Three of them, or four of them. Okay. And then before he was on other stuff, <laughs> um, but it was a super fun cool show. Um, so uh, I suggest if you have if you like films or like basketball, check out this film about <laughs> basketball. Um, and I don't. I don't love basketball as much as he does, mm-hmm. but I do like movies about basketball. Hmm. Um, and I think also there's a lot of uh, deeper investigation explanation into this, into like the the profit profiting off of amateur athletes, which is yeah. something that I have grumpy opinions about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I and and again, if you check the trailer; it looks awesome. Um, and I think that it's uh, I mean, watching his story with Netflix, mm-hmm. um, it's more or less. I mean, like he he would have eventually made the film, and it would have been good. Mm-hmm. But I think that. Uh, Parting with Netflix at the end allowed him to, I think, crank up the production quality. Yeah. Um, uh, and have a, like a, a built-in distribution network. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is one of the examples of what I've come to love about Netflix yeah. lately. Um, is that you'll see like, oh, I gotta see this trailer for this movie I've heard about, or maybe I never heard about. Yeah. Um, and then it says like it's available, you know, in two weeks or something. Yeah. Like it's coming out, and I'm like, oh. I don't have to wait hardly any time for yeah. this to come out. I just saw there's some other sci-fi film, and I'm forgetting the name of it. And I had never heard anything about it. It looks really high quality. I don't actually know if it's going to be good, but, like, again, it was out before the end of the month. Yeah. Um, so I can don't have to wait long at all to check that out and find out if it's good. Uh, it, yeah. it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, like, it's hard. I don't entirely understand how Netflix makes money. Um Though, I, I, I mean, they obviously do, right? All their subscribers, yeah. Um, but they, I think they are currently losing money, spending more than they're making yeah. and, and, and as the, an investment. And yeah. That, for me, I think, just shows them being adaptive to what the future is going to be. I mm-hmm. mean, if, uh, I mean, Disney's launching their own service. I mean, if, if they're, if they're going to be more like a digital islands, mm-hmm. um, they're, you know, they, I think, very intelligently mm-hmm. are preparing to have much fewer licenses yeah um, you know in yeah. such that if people will go to and, and you know in some sense it forces them to be it forces things back to a studio kind of model or mm-hmm. each sort of um, production and distribution network you yeah. know or I mean produces and distributes its own stuff mm-hmm. I mean with the amount of media they're releasing yeah. what I do also appreciate is the way they can hone in on certain niche audiences um yeah. so I mean, we, we they, they only give me text updates about things that i'm like oh i'm going to watch that right now yeah and like so i complained about mute being bad and i'm kind of into like the blade runner thing but they also released a show called altered carbon yeah 
which is not like my favorite thing, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I haven't finished that yet, but I'm enjoying kind of where that world is, and it's in that same sort of yeah. vein um, and does more interesting things. So I'm like, well, that one didn't work, but this one does. Uh, I have something else in that sort of corner of um, yeah. the universe that I like. And uh, I am excited for the anime that they're releasing because um, I'm very picky about my anime. Yeah, me but too. enjoy it when I find Yeah, I mean, if it's good, it's good. real good. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, we'll see where these things go, but, um, there is, like, more content coming out than, uh, I can certainly consume. Um, more you can, more than you can shake a stick at. That's right, yeah. And I should also mention the, uh, new season three of the show Love, which I oh, might, yeah? might have mentioned before, but, uh, my wife and I are about halfway through that mm-hmm. season, so a good mix of, like, comedy and a little bit of drama and romance and uh just kind of a little more based in like realistic characters um real world so Hmm. there's often moments where very like funny awkward comedy and then like very uh poignant sort of moments but not done in a cheesy way like i can definitely identify with that with i feel yeah uh in the main character is awkward and in the third season he's making a film uh it was just like there's there's a great moment where he had written the script and he's in la and trying to like you know get people to see it that kind of usual thing um and then his girlfriend is like why don't you just direct that you should just make it and then he's like yeah i'm a direct i'm gonna be a director i'm a director i can say that <laughs> it was like i've had those same moments right um and then there's also a good time where he's getting all his friends to help make the film and uh he's like you know it's the sort of thing where everybody's doing it for free and then like and are they standing on train tracks at one in the morning freezing they're not it wasn't quite that rough um pretty nice in in la most of the time uh but he's he's sort of having the rough day of like not quite getting the performances but like knowing everybody wants to move on right um and then it's at the end of the night and they just didn't quite get that last scene and everybody's like we need to be done you need to say that's a wrap oh yeah like i like everybody's yeah they're like yeah, you yeah. need to say it like, every it's time i'm like say it either yeah. say it and you're like that's a wrap yeah and it's great like he's like they're all like packed up and he's like coming back to his apartment and he's calling his girlfriend and he's like she's like how did it go it's really exciting you're making a movie and he's yeah i just didn't get that it's not really going on and he's, she's like get back there and grab those guys and like get it right and he's like okay we're gonna go do it. So he did, but like he called, he called it to rap too fast. So I just went. Oh wow! Well, so this is like an eternal lesson for me. Yeah, yeah. I always goading you to say it's a rap. <laughs> That's right. Um, anyways, I I'm enjoying that show, and um, I think it would not have existed if Netflix had not given it an opportunity, even though it's backed by Judd Apatow and, and written some by him. Anyways, let's move on and yeah. talk about some things that we've been watching. And I think maybe first we want to mention uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, we can talk. I mean, uh, one of those things that, like, when Netflix said, oh, did you know um, that season two of Jessica Jones is out? <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, I'll oh, yeah. just cancel my plans. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so I uh, I have not watched all of it. Um, I have not either. I, um, I think you're a little farther than Yeah, me. I'm in, like, episode eight. You're mm-hmm. in episode six. A, six. Lot, a lot happens in, in a warning audience at the end of episode six and episode seven. Yeah. Um, so I won't spoil it for Eli. 
Um, yeah, but I, I will say, that, yeah. yeah, I will say that um, some of the things, some some big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one is uh, the second season is much more of her origin story. Mm-hmm. We, we learn a lot. Right, we yeah. learn a lot more about um, who she is, where she came where from. She, she powers, There's a so, yeah. some. I, mean, I don't think it's. It's not spoiling anything to say that we we get a chance to see her and Trish like when they're younger, mm-hmm. um, and we, we we see a little bit of that in the first season, but we see we see more of them like when they're in like when they're college age, when when like uh, after high school, and yeah. and we, we get to see like a lot of the stuff that comes immediately before like the the phase of their lives before the phase in which we mm-hmm. see them in the first season which is all really good yeah. and they hold off for i mean you're just about to get into that they hold off for a while hold off in the season um for a while on that before they get to it um which i just uh i like yeah. i i don't think that um i think that the first season has a much clearer focus yeah um I in, see that. um in the you know i mean like it's it it, it, it it has this masterfully done discussion of what Kilgrave is and what he means and all yeah, these the sorts of things. Yeah, the really strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's in the in the second season. Like, we don't even know we don't even know who the villain is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is there a villain? Slowly coming out. Yeah. Right. Um, right. You know, and uh, you also have um, a Jerry Hogarth story. Yes. Um, I'm not totally sure about it yet, but no, I'm amazing into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. The, the the sort of female orgy. Oh yeah. Scene seemed a little bit like meandering from the main story, but I'm guessing, knowing this show, that it's telling us something about these about the character. Yeah. Um, did you learn? Well, I can't. No. Um, there's uh, yeah, I. We get a lot of explorations of Jerry Hogarth's character. Mm-hmm. Some of it is okay. Yeah. Um, some of it I don't care too much about. Right. Um, and I think that there's also they're also managing more people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you have um, Jessica, you have Trish, uh, Malcolm is that? Yeah, you have Malcolm. Yeah. Um, you have their super, mm-hmm. um, and so it's managing more people, and yeah. it, it it the stories are. It's harder to do that. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think they do it. Mm-hmm. It's a little clumsy at points. Right. Um, but I think there's like once you get once you sort of, but you you're about to reach a breaking point, and then they're going to sort of view a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you you see parallels between. Um, you know what Trish was like when she was twenty, and the way she is now, right. and and now some various challenges in those places, which is good. Um, there's a. Um, you get to learn more about Malcolm. You learn a little mm-hmm. bit about his past. You learn more about the, all of the characters become more, fuller and more interesting. Yeah. Um. Uh. I I don't think that the central conflict is as meaningful and powerful as it mm-hmm. is in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean. I mean that first season is. I mean, could have been that could have been all the Jessica Jones we ever get. Yeah. And I would have been yeah, that's totally fine with solid, it. Yeah. Um, you know, so because it's so it just because there are those among the things that are like with the first season, there are those support groups mm-hmm. for people that have been harmed by Kilgrave, mm-hmm. and a little bit of that comes back. There's a few very tender moments in the second season between Jessica Jones and a few other people, um, mm-hmm. in which she, uh, in you know, which like someone will do something nice for her and they'll be like. 
I remember what it was like when yeah. Kilgrave was here. Right. Which is, it, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, there's a copy. There's that copy, does yeah, yeah. which I thought mm-hmm. was, and the, Yeah, that was yeah, a really nice touch, yeah. Um, other things that could happen mm-hmm. further on. Um, uh, but you also, like, things happen, this is, things happen things with happen Jessica. Yeah. Um, and uh, at least on the path that she's on now, as of episode eight, like, she is changing mm-hmm. a little bit. Yep. In the way that her character didn't change... In the first season, yeah. she had to struggle. Yeah, she had, we she had, had time for. She had a thing time. to to fight. She mm-hmm. fought that thing, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting. Yeah. Um. And in the second season, there's more. The evil isn't readily apparent. Mm-hmm. Um. And she has an opportunity to encounter the world slightly differently. Yeah. Um. It, it's a world that, and I I don't know how the season will end. Yeah. It, it is a world in which. Um, uh, her challenge mm-hmm. is to. Uh, let people in mm-hmm. to care for people, right? Um, which is a, a different kind of heroic journey mm-hmm. uh, than um, punching evil in the face, right? Yeah, uh, and I think it's in in the in, in some of the greatest moments of that first season, especially like when um, uh, after she helps that girl and she kills her parents, mm-hmm. right? Like that's gut wrenching tragedy, right? Um, and it's really horrible. Mm-hmm. And it's you can understand why she's suspicious of everyone, right. and why she's guarded all the time. Yeah. And they explain a, you, you get more of her story in the second season, and so you learn more about that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, setting her up for these challenges of trusting people and caring for people, and there's, I mean, there you probably have the times where like like when she first tries to put the moves on the super, he's like, Ooh. yeah, right, you know, and you're like, whoa, like, you know, and and you know, who knows, you know, like the. The show misleads you a variety of times in the mm-hmm. second season. You think things are one way, you find out they're another way. You think this is the bad person, right. and you're not even Maybe there. Not bad, yeah. um, and I like that. I mean, I, I think um, I am. I mean, the more that I watch, the more I'm happy that she's on a different heroic journey in the second mm-hmm. season, and that it's not just, you know, a rotating big bad. Yeah, you know, as much as I love, deal, yeah. like the. Rotating Big Bad as the heart of a, a show yeah. slash Buffy. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it's interesting and different, right. um, and certainly you know, like you know, she is both, you know, she's a woman, um, you know, and she's also a trauma survivor and a mm-hmm. lot of the things. And so they're exploring, like, I don't know, uh, the the different and some sense more realer challenges right. of those. Yeah, I mean, things. even though Kilgrave was like personal villain and was good for that yeah. reason like you're right we're diving much more into these sort of personal demons that are you know we sort of see her fighting in sort of real terms but also like internally and how it affects yeah. her friends um and it's also I appreciate yeah and move i mean kilgrave is a symbolic enemy right um but very in in the second season most of her things are what they are right you know she's you know and, and and I think because like the world has calmed down a little bit and there isn't mm-hmm. a looming Kilgrave, yeah, she can have experiences which are much more relatable. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I agree. I think I told you earlier that I don't know that they just because they established that they have thirteen episodes for these Marvel shows, yeah, Marvel shows that they need to do that and feel obligated. Um, so I've really enjoyed most all of it so far 
the second season, but it is a little bit meandering, taking its time, and you've yeah. assured me, like, things are about to I happen. Mean, I mean, things, things yes. Yeah, but, uh... The audience knows what like. Yeah. I've been reading some, um, sort of classic noir novels, and I, I enjoy the sort of meandering of some of those like they investigate this thing you get a little clue there but it's not quite what you thought it was and then you're going to go over here and do this other thing and you start to see like this bigger picture of what's happening coming um and i think they're doing a good job of like handling that and bringing out those elements and we both appreciate noir and uh the sort of detective style and i yeah and i don't know (laughs) exactly what it is but this show does a good job of like playing into some of those tropes yeah pretty well but not like so much that it's kind of cheesy and that, yeah. that it could be i mean, I mean like I, even I, the music is very like classic like saxophone when mm-hmm. she's like investigating but it like works um, yeah I, I think that there's um i, I would say uh it seems as though they're trying to do a little too much. Mm. Um, I think, like I, like I said, I, I like the individual pieces. I think each of the um, individual stories are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some manner of dilution that sort of happens when we have mm-hmm. all of them occupying our screen, you know, and mm. we have to visit in with Trish and yeah, Malcolm and all these other people. And then this, the episode's over, and I'm like, oh, you know, it almost feels... Mm-hmm. I, Kindly is not. I mean, like like yeah. soap opera y, mm-hmm. um, and I I sort of miss the, like the, the driving force of the original one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, like I, uh, if I want like a nice tight, super focused story, I can mm-hmm. watch the first season, yeah. which 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 was totally enough for me. Yeah. Um, and this allows us. To, I mean, allows us to do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, I don't know entirely what their plan is with the Marvel stuff. I, you know, I, I, there, yeah, there, there are two seasons yeah. of uh, Daredevil. There's only one of Iron Fist. There's only one of Luke Cage. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if they're planning on building each one up. Um, I just know that, like, um, the, the woman who made... Uh, um, oh, I was on Amazon Prime, and she's British, and there's six episodes... Um, uh, and it's a single name. Why do I remember? Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, her name's Phoebe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Ragdoll. Fleabag. Okay, yeah, Fleabag. Yeah. Fleabag. Oh, so it's late yeah. where we are. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that she uh, said, which I sort of liked a lot, is she, she said, you know, probably, probably not going to make a second season. Mm-hmm. But uh, she eventually did, and she, or she started to work on it. She said, oh, I think mm-hmm. I found something. Uh, another story, story that I want to tell. Yeah, and I think that there, there, there is a story being told in Jessica Jones in the second mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. that doesn't get told elsewise. Yeah. Um, I also and like I don't know why they didn't start with the origin story for her, but I liked it. Yeah, um, I, I like that we that don't. First story of the time. Yeah, yeah. That, that we're in the middle of something. It has a deep noir, and that's how often those noir stories start. Mm-hmm. We don't start with the detective at the beginning of their career. Yeah, you know, we start with them. On one of their unexpectedly most challenging cases, right? And so, and that I like because you mm-hmm. also you're so curious about what's going, what you don't know that you just sort of suck up all those details, right? And this second season has more of the feel of like almost the Watchmen to me, or like elements that yeah. she's dealing with 
that she I mean they talked about in the first season that she would say like well I'm not a hero I'm not a superhero yeah. um, and I think she's dealing with that even more in this episode and you were talking oh, about certainly. how she's like changing and so she her first thing to do is just like I'm gonna go punch somebody I'm gonna go use force and so she's starting to realize like I can't just do that all the time and that's like not it hurts other people around her too yeah. um, that sort of attitude and and I like that we see, I mean, all of the sort of Netflix Marvel ones are sort of like the lesser sort of um, heroes in that universe, you know, more like down to earth on the street heroes. Yeah. And I think this is the most that I've seen out of those, at least that um, yeah. she there's like this larger thing going and people know about the Avengers and stuff, yeah. but she's like on this much smaller scale. Yeah. Um, and I think they tried to do like the the minor Avengers with the Defenders, which I have not watched yet. But uh, so yeah, I, I'm interested to see where they'll go with Jessica Jones. But I think there's a lot to explore there um, with her character and her world. And I I don't know. I think she's just great. In yeah, that, in that role, there's and so no, much fun. Um, question about that. And I've my wife informed me that the other actors and things on set appreciate that Kristen Ritter is not very much like that character at all and she's like knitting in between scenes and stuff like that and yeah. she's like i'm a very boring person i'm not like very up in front in people's faces or anything like that yeah um, um i also i mean there is you will encounter some more stuff with jerry hogarth's story mm-hmm. um and for those of you at home who have watched it you'll know what i'm talking about <laughs> um uh i did they take there's a little she takes there's a little different tack they take with her, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can guess. I mean, she's sort of like super powerful, yeah. and she like you know like wants to be immortal, and mm-hmm. and the I mean, even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly in Daredevil, that's dealt with very differently, and mm. it it becomes kind of absurd. I mean, mm. I, as as much as I love the stuff with the hand, yeah, and I love the character of Stick, mm-hmm. Electra's okay, yeah. Um, it gets, and even like the inclusion of um, Iron Fist later, there's like too much mystical mm-hmm. nonsense. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, superpowers, right? Yeah. Um, but they handle that sort of business with Jerry, I think, in a way that I like much better. Hmm. And like, you know, it's more grounded. Yeah, yeah. and it's also it, grounded, more real. It fits mm-hmm. more with their character. We learn more about the people involved in it. Right. It requires people to do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, but in Daredevil, like it's it's the same sort of father son thing that happens in too many other things. Yeah, and I it's it doesn't it doesn't really do it for me mm-hmm. um so that's cool and I, yeah. I mean i think that there it's an an opportunity for them to do stuff a little bit differently mm-hmm. um but on like what i would consider like an a-list show yeah i mean i know it's like not like iron man or yeah right. punching things right um but it's a it's a fabulous show and uh it allows them i think to to amplify some of the writing and decision making mm-hmm. stuff i also noticed there were a lot of um Female directors listed. On yeah, I was going to mention that episodes. they actually are promoting that all of the episodes are directed by females. The, Every the, episode, uh, yeah. I mean, all I can say is that they all have a good feel, mm-hmm. um, and and they even some of them have a few kind of a different tone. Than tone yeah. um, but the, the mm-hmm. season as a whole has a very cohesive, solid. Yeah, I um, feel like it's it's flowed pretty well. Yeah, um, and. Well. Uh, 
yeah. Um, and it's nice to see. I just mean like uh, I look at other shows. It's kind of a serial nature, which are like Doctor Who, which I love. You know, mm-hmm. they have a lot of different writers and a lot of different directors, and they often feel very, very different. I know it's supposed to feel very, very different, <laughs> but I feel like there are. Um, you know, like uh, like Firefly, for example, there there are a few episodes and a few parts that are sort of written and directed by different people, mm-hmm. um, and they add to the uh, mosaic of the whole. Yeah. Um, yeah, even in their little bit of difference, and I think mm-hmm. that you see that in uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would highly recommend the show as one of the better, definitely Marvel. Um, produce shows on Netflix and maybe one of the best, one of the better shows on Netflix in general. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like genre focused, but yeah. On the list of like reasons you should get Netflix, it's like mm-hmm. high. Yeah. I, it sounds like people, the general um, critic sphere has been not quite as warm as the first season on this, but definitely said it's still solid. Yeah. Um, which I feel like. And it's also, a, a I good... mean, like my experience of the first Jessica Jones is like it just, came out of bloody nowhere. Right. Like, there yeah. was... There's no precedent. Mm-hmm. I'd never even heard of the character before. Oh, yeah. um, I didn't, you know, know about the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean... Like, I yeah. had, you know, I, I mean, I knew about Power Man, and I had heard about Nova, <laughs> but I wasn't aware of this Hell's That's Kitchen great. group of folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, and, and it just sort of blew me away. Yeah. Uh, you know, with its neo-noir character and... Uh, Kristen Ritter's acting mm-hmm. and persona and stuff. Right. Um, and so, like, you can't replicate that. Like, yeah. You can't replicate that moment when Jessica Jones comes out on Netflix again. Yeah, right. Um, and so I think they don't try to. Mm-hmm. And they give you, like, you like the first season? Here's some more interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, if I were a Marvel executive, which I'm not, um, <laughs> I, I would like to see a lot of them modeled this way. Because Daredevil doesn't go this way. And Daredevil's like, we're here we are, punching people in the face, and then we're going to punch more people in the face <laughs> forever until you get so tired of seeing people punched in the face, you can't <laughs> believe he's still punching the same biker gang in the face for 15 minutes. That's right. Um, which is its own thing. Um, but it just it becomes excessive. Yeah. Um, Luke Cage has its failings, but it, it gives us a, a, a different feel yeah. and, and does. Um, anyway, Jessica Jones, awesome. Yeah. I did want to briefly bring up another show since uh, in further episodes, I have a lot I've been watching, um, yeah. so I want to get some things out there. So another Netflix show, Babylon Berlin, which was sort of picked up, um, at least in the U.S., I think maybe other parts of the world, um, too, but this is a German show, and not only the most expensive German show, from what I hear, is also the most expensively produced non-U.S. show um, ever. And it it really shows on the screen. It is set in 1920s in Berlin, as the name suggests. Um, and from what I understand, doing some little history, because some of all the like different factions and political groups are a little beyond my history of Germany. <laughs> um, there's like Leninists and uh, the Nazis are on the rise, but there's all these other different groups and stuff like that too. Um, it's mainly about like uh, some cops um, investigating some different mysteries um, going on and politics kind of gets tied into it too. But uh, I believe it's doing the um, Weimar Republic that got set up after World War One. And it's it's mostly 
at a pretty solid time for them. But I, I, from what I understand, the show is kind of about the like crumbling of that democracy um, that tried to get set up. Uh, but the show just like blends these different genres and styles in such a fun way. Um, I mean, we do almost have like a dark noir detective story. We get, uh, apparently this was a pretty like opulent sort of booming time in Germany in some ways. Uh, so we get these like clubs and they are really highly produced in the film and they're almost like portrayed like raves or something um, set in that time. So we have kind of like swing um, starting to, to rise up too. So there's lots of like crazy dancing and drugs and things going on in the underbelly and stuff like that too. Uh, we get this sort of double agent, Russian double agent, who is also like a cross-dressing theater performer in some of these nightclubs and stuff like that. Uh, sort of like crooner, and she's really great, and uh, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with her yet. But um, uh, we get uh, sort of also commentary on like PTSD, the main um, detective, uh is taking like drugs to hide his sort of PTSD from World War One, and he has like the shakes sometimes, and it's viewed at that time as not being like very manly to be able to you know go through the war without being affected by it. There's also, which is my favorite character, who should really probably be a little bit more. It's like the secondary character, but should probably be about the same level as the main character, and she's sort of like a more. Through her eyes, we see the poverty level in mm-hmm. this town. And so she basically lives with most of, like, her sister and her husband and their kid and their parents. And she's, like, supporting all of them, basically. Uh, during the day, she's getting, like, small jobs, like, typing and stuff at the um, uh, police station. And then in the evening, she's sort of, like, a high-class call girl, sort of, in one of these clubs. Um, to make more money and then eventually she sort of gets like pulled into the mysteries and is doing sort of like um, amateur detective work and wants decides like I should I want to be a police um, detective Uh, so moving but she's like kind of the most fun character really um, that we should be watching Uh, but it's it's just a great combination of things and uh, there's some like great twists in it uh, and they just keep adding all these crazy elements there's a train full of gold that this sort of mystery there's uh this uh pornographic films being made and one of the high officials in the uh government is being um involved in this uh the scam with it and stuff like that so lots of fun little pieces and uh i had heard a little bit about it before it came out but didn't know it was already available coming out but um tom tickwer who made run lola run and has been working with the Wachowski siblings lately, who I'm a big fan of, um, mm-hmm. his other films, uh, is is highly involved. They haven't really been stating there's three directors, and they just kind of give them credit for all of the series, at least on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure how they split it up, but it's got a pretty consistent style. So if you want a good blend of all of those different elements and um, done with a lot of panache, I would highly recommend it. But I'm looking forward to... Uh, to watching the rest of the, the season. Apparently they combine the first two seasons on Netflix as one season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's going to be more of it. So it's pretty cool. I would check it out. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to mention? 
Um, I don't. Um, okay. uh, we are um, excited in our house uh, to watch season six of Voltron. Um, yeah. Which we are, I think, three, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's called it a season. It's like a six episode or seven episode mini mm-hmm. season. Um, but lots of stuff happens. Um, the, the thing that, I mean, for those of you, if you haven't watched Voltron Legendary Defender, like the, the elevator speech version that I came up with to talk about it um, is like I, I um, so when they, when they did it, they released uh, on Netflix uh, Voltron 1984, mm-hmm. which was like a, a series of, I think, six original Voltron episodes uh, picked by one of the voice actors oh, yeah. in the new show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember watching them when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember being just fascinated by them. Um, mm-hmm. They are on uh, on face not very good. <laughs> the show itself was not very good. Not very good, yeah. Um, and particularly the one that like um, the voice of a Princess Laura picks is like a particularly like abhorrently sexist <laughs> show in which she gets spanked and she's a nanny. Mm. It, mm. It's you know, and she picks it because eventually, like in, in spite of all that, she like chooses to pile the blue line, and you, blue mm. line, even though everyone like prevents her from doing it. So that's yeah. why it's sort of the actress picked it. But yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this show is horrible. <laughs> um, and I, I remember like a few really pointed episodes which i think were okay mm-hmm. but in general the show was meh no, not great, yeah. you know i mean cool concept yeah, but yeah anyway I was, I was talking to my older brother about it, and he was like yeah i liked it when it was just voltron like before the lions and i was like oh i actually remember that because <laughs> there was an original voltron i think the first season they were just, just robots like robot yeah. yeah anyway but so uh this is actually not the elevator version of the speech but it's the long one that's based on the elevator version um but the new one it is amazing mm-hmm. it's like it's actually as good as you think it should be, yeah. Because I, I mean, even sitting, I sitting down to watch the six season. My wife hadn't seen all the early ones, so we went back like when the kids were sleeping and started to watch some of the early ones. Yeah, and they're just so good. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're visually interesting. Um, the writing is great. The acting is hilarious. I yeah, mean, it's um, they're actually good. Yeah, uh, in a way that some of the shows that I liked as a kid, like Voltron, um, or like GI Joe, um, mm-hmm. or GoBots, or <laughs> Transformers, um, were not good at all yeah um and watching them i'm like oh like that's that's the same footage like 10 minutes of this show is voltron transforming into voltron so there's only like nine minutes of dialogue yeah um and they recycle the scenes of like when they make the row beasts (laughs) so like it's really quite a play anyway so uh voltron season six we're like a couple episodes in huge things happen um and it's very exciting yeah, we're we recently um, we've talked about the show in the past yeah. on here, but uh, we fell way behind, um, and we're currently I think maybe just on season three. Hmm. And I had been thinking, I know you guys were pretty caught up, and I think the first season has like a pretty solid like ten episodes oh, or well, more. Maybe even more. Than yeah, that. I think more. So I was kind of like thinking, I'm like, man, they are really moving through. Yeah. And then I looked, and I was like, oh, there's not that many episodes no, 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 on I mean, the later yeah. seasons. Um, or maybe, or maybe it's season five. I mean, the, the, whatever the yeah. latest one is. But yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's like six episodes. It's like a little half. Right. Yeah. But there's still a lot of fun um, enjoying them. And I recently got a, a 4K TV, 55-inch, oh, yeah, yeah. and animation looks great on big screens, too. So I always forget I about, like... Everything looks good. On everything the looks good, but it's it's fun to watch yeah. animation when it's, like, bright and big, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a great combination of things. I even, like... The humor in it is pretty well done yeah. normally, um, and yeah. they like combine it well, like serious and funny yeah. moments, uh, which usually doesn't get handled well in kids shows and no. stuff. Um, so I would recommend it as well. I'm looking forward to to getting through it. We just move real slow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think that's enough. Yeah. Media talk for now. 
and we'll fill you on more next time. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks.